We're walking through this series called The Stand. And how many of you remember at the beginning of the year, we did uh, what we call the State of the Church Address. And the focus, the theme of this entire year was, I'll stand. And we actually had many of you that filled out one of these or made one of these just like this, and you stood holding this up. And I know many of you, because you've taken pictures of them, took this home and you actually put it somewhere that you would remember. This has been in my bathroom all year. And basically the gist of this series is that we're walking through and we are reminding ourselves what it means to stand for the Lord and what it means to stand for different things. And so uh, as, we, as we get going here, I, I wanted to acknowledge a group that stands every week and they serve you so that you can be here in this environment worshiping the Lord without maybe your two-year-old next to you. Um, and this, this group, I asked them to kind of uh, to come down from their classrooms for a moment, kind of disrupting what they do. The, your kids are just running wild back there. They don't even know what's... what's no, there, there's people watching them. But I asked them if they'd come down this week and that we would turn and, and we would see some of our teachers that serve your kids every week. And could we, could we just honor and recognize them this morning before we start the message? Yeah. Yeah, there's several of you that, uh, that serve as well. Would you stand if you serve in the kids' program too, but maybe it's not your week? Yeah, lots of you. Excellent. Very good. Well, we just so appreciate what happens in the kids' program, and we recognize it just takes a lot of energy and effort. They were here at 8.30 this morning too, setting up their rooms from scratch. And unlike this open space that we have to set up chairs, they're moving a lot of desks around every week. And then, and then they're serving the kids as well. So we just really appreciate what you're doing and, and all those that serve with their kids. So, all right, we'll let you go back. I know you've got, uh, got lessons you want to get to. So, no, the greatest thing is when I asked them about coming up, they're like, well, it's going to kind of disrupt our lesson and what we're doing. So... So that's our focus. That's our focus with the kids. You know, there's one more couple I want to recognize that's really been serving, and you really have no idea they've been doing this because it's so incognito, but you see it every week. And that is, uh, I want to have Mike and Lori Callian stand. Would you guys mind standing? I don't really mind, care if you mind. Will you just stand? <laughs> so, Mike and Lori set up the signs uh, every week. Uh, on, on Friday or Saturday, they get out and they set up the signs. And now, now we've taken a bit of a sign hit over the last couple weeks. Um, we had uh, a series of signs that were stolen. And then last week, uh, Mother Nature just, just battered our big sign out at the road. I mean, just, gave, just manhandled it. And so uh, we're going to be working this, this next week or so to replace some of those signs, and we had already talked about increasing our sign presence, so the Lord said, we're going to have you increase and then make the ones that were here better. So uh, I guess that's the message, because we're going to replace those too. But I just want to thank them for that. It's a big job to fill up their car and do that every week. Yeah. So they've had, uh, they've had people stop and take pictures of their license plates and all kinds of stuff, so I mean, they endure it all to get those signs up, so, so we appreciate that. So if you have your sermon notes, um, look something like this. Uh, pull those out because we're going to start walking through. If you don't have one, just slip up your hand, and Richard uh, is in the back, and, and this is his most motivated time of the service every week to, to come and bring you 
uh, one of these. So that would be great. Can I just, while he's bringing this, can I say one small word, if you would? You're going to notice starting, it won't be next week because we'll be at Church in the Grass, but in two weeks, you're going to notice these front parking places directly across from us. You're going to notice two of those being special needs spots and then three of those being uh, first-time guest spots. So when you come two weeks from now, uh, if you are not a first-time guest, which you would not be um, two weeks from now, um, and you're not someone who needs, uh, has special needs and needs you know, a little bit more effort and time to, to where you park, then please leave those spots open for them. But you'll see some signs that we have made up and that they'll go in the ground uh, during that, temporarily in the ground each week for our, our purposes, and that would be help, uh, a great help. If you do have uh, any special needs to get out of your vehicle, please feel free to drive right up here to the front. Some of the rules that the school has to abide by isn't, doesn't necessarily pertain to us on Sunday mornings. So if you need to drive right up here and park um, very close, please do if you, if you need help getting out and, and coming. So that's no problem. All right, you've got your sermon notes now, so let's take a look at this, and we're going to walk through. Let me be really up front. Our focus this week is the word serving. Um, it's this word that we're really, as believers, we are all called to. Let me give you a little history lesson. You see, in the book of Acts, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, it shares about the explosive growth of the church. It's often called the growth of the early church, is what we, we know that book as. And so when you look at this book, you find that really the church goes from this small group of believers that wasn't even known as the church at the time, and it explodes all throughout the known region, all throughout the, everywhere, really, uh, in Bible times. And so we find that this spread is not only the faith spreading and the word about Jesus Christ spreading, but also the establishment of churches. But this came at a great risk and a great cost. You see, early on, if you were going to be a believer, looking in like Acts chapter 2, when we see many, many people coming to know the Lord, this was something you were actually abandoning the Jewish faith that had been part of your culture all the way back to creation because you were accepting that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was indeed the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. You see, the majority of Jewish people at that time would have said, no, nah, we don't believe it. He was a great guy, good teacher, maybe even a prophet, but, but certainly not the Messiah. But this group that formed and, and, and huddled after Jesus' crucifixion and, and resurrection and then ascension into heaven, this group waited for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, they just got out and they started sharing about this Jesus Christ. And people all over the place started to say, I, this is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. And they started to convert and to believe. When they did this, many of them were completely disowned by anybody that wasn't converted. And they, by their families, they lost their jobs. Many of them lost their status within, with, within the established church at the time. And they were basically outcasts in the religious system entirely. It was a huge risk to become a Christian. And so what did Christians do for, them, to, do for each other? When they looked and they said, well, they lost their family, they lost their job, guess what? They became their family. They became their job. They started to serve them and care for them and give to them. When the Bible says that they, that they give, they gave to anyone who was in need, they're talking about these people that had sacrificed and given up everything to follow Jesus Christ. And so it was established in the culture very, very early on in the Christian church that they were a church that served one another. When they looked over, they said, you're in need, I will serve you. 
And then we find that very early on that they actually started to serve people outside of the church. One of the very first tasks that they took on was they actually sent people out in, in all different areas to collect finances so they could take care of all the widows back in Jerusalem. They're serving their community, serving those around us, around them at the time. And so it was part of their culture. And so we flash forward today in our church, in the Christian church today, and we ask the question, how well do we say I am making a stand in my faith to serve? To serve people, to serve uh, those in need, to serve things in my community, areas in my church I can plug in and serve. How well do I serve? And that's really what we're looking at this morning. In fact, I've kind of broke it down in these six motives of serving. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Some of you, you probably fall into one of three categories. Some of you are going to say, I am really motivated in that area to serve, whichever one we walk through. Some of you are going to say, you know, I should be motivated in that area. <laughs> Maybe I haven't been up till now, but I really recognize I should be motivated in that area. And then there's some of you who are going to say, I'm, in, I'm just not motivated at all in that area. Thanks for the Bible verses on it, Tom, but I'm just not motivated in that area to serve. And you're going to probably fall into those categories. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10. It says, God has given each of you special abilities. Be sure to use them to what? Sure. To advance your career. No, to help each other. It's so clear in Scripture why God has gifted each of you uniquely. You know, I spend a lot of time with you and, and conversing with you and hanging out with you, and you're very different, all of you. You know, in fact, some of you are nothing like me. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's a problem. Maybe you should just be like me. Or maybe I should just be like you, and then I might be complete. We know it doesn't work that way at all. In fact, the scripture says you're all created unique and different with special abilities, but for one common purpose. We're to serve one another, to care for one another. And as Peter says in the Living Bible translation here, to help one another. So let's jump right into it. Um, motivated. First of all, um, motivated by obedience. Oh, gosh, Tom, why don't you start off with obedience? Motivated by obedience. Are you ever motivated to do anything in your life by obedience? Yeah? No? So, hello, wake up. All right. By obedience, yeah. You, you, maybe at your job, you would say right away, well, I'm motivated every day by obedience because I would like to keep my job and not lose it. And so I do what is asked of me. I do what I'm told uh, out of obedience. Um, sometimes even in our house, we feel like we do things out of obedience, right? Um, well, I necessarily want to do it at that time, but we know how the family's wheels keep turning. And so I do that thing. I'm motivated out of obedience. Here's the thing about it in Scripture is that God has called us to serve one another. He has actually said many, many times over Scripture, I want you to serve one another. In fact, God has come even to the point so strong in the Old Testament when he talks about not serving one another and being rejected from your eternal reward. It's amazing how strong he comes with this thing of serving, wanting to help each other. And so, out of, out of even obedience to the Lord, knowing that our God and Savior has said, do it, there's this motivation that, that we should have in serving one another. It says right here in Deuteronomy, it is the Lord your God you must follow, and, and him, him you must 
revere. Keep his commands and obey him, serve him, and hold fast to him. Listen, if you're going to serve God, you have to serve others. It makes no sense to serve God and not serve others. That's what the Bible says. That's what it's about. When we serve God, we serve others. Because it is God himself who has spent so much of his time serving us, constantly serving us and caring for us. When we go to the Lord and the Lord says, ask and you'll receive, what is God doing when he provides? He is serving you. And so we serve out of obedience to him as well. I don't know if you know, but this word ministry and service in the, in the Greek, it's the same word, ministry and service. So if you are somebody who wants to go into the ministry, you know, sometimes we say the full-time ministry, such as myself, guess what? You're going to be a servant, because that's what the Bible says that you're going to do. But flip it around the other way. If you're one that will serve as the Bible has told us to do over and over and over, guess what? You're called to minister. You're called to be a minister as well. And in that way, every single one of us is called to minister to other people. You see, sometimes we think, I'm serving, I'm just taking care of a little need. When I'm ministering, I'm actually, you know, talking about Jesus Christ and stuff. But that's not how the Bible breaks it down with those words. It just sinks them right together. That when I serve, when I provide, I am also ministering. And like we talked about last week, the door eventually opens when I can share with them about Jesus Christ. I look for the door, but I respect the door at the same time. Eventually, it comes. Motivated by obedience, following God because he's asked it out of us. Let's go on to the second thing. Motivated by gratitude. Motivated by gratitude. Would you say this morning you would say, I think one of my dominant characteristics is um, I have gratitude for things. <laughs> would you say that? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's hard to say, right? That, uh, that we just really, you know, we really are thankful. And we have gratitude for things that we're given. Yeah, this is an interesting, as I was looking at it this week and I was putting this together, I thought, you know, when I am motivated by gratitude, when I am thankful for something, it is very easy to turn around and then do something for someone else that they have the opportunity to be thankful for and grateful for as well. It's, it's really easy, you know, it's this pay-it-forward type of mentality. In fact, I think if you look at God's Word and we were to break it down, I think God actually invents that whole system in place, that when I serve somebody, I've created opportunity for them to turn around and serve, or I've made it that much easier for them to turn around. Why? Because at their core, they're grateful. So thankful and grateful for what's been done to them. Look, when I look back at what the Lord's done in my life, there's much to be grateful for, much to be thankful for. And so if the Lord has served me, it should, in reciprocation, my gratitude to him cause me to want to serve someone else. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Samuel. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Let me ask you a question. Um, why do we love God? Why? Why do you love God? Why, do, why does the Bible tell us that we love God? It says in 1 John that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. I don't know anything about loving God or loving you outside of God's love for me. 
You see, when he loved me, he, and I embraced that love, and he taught me immediately and then ongoing how to love God and then how to love other people. You see, when I love God back and I, I'm serving people, I'm really showing my gratitude for his love for me. There was a time when my youth pastor in high school, late high school, he challenged us. He said, you know, you need to do a love evaluation. And I didn't have any idea what he meant. Plus, I was a high school boy, so that sounded awfully corny to me. Uh, basically, what he was getting at, his, this love evaluation, is saying you need to evaluate in what ways, heart, actions, on and on, that you actually love God. Write it out. You know, why well, do this each day, so that would kind of show that I love God, or I speak this way, it would kind of show that I love God. You know what I walked away with? A pretty short list is what I walked away with that first time. Now, to be honest, I was a high school boy, and I probably didn't take as much time as I needed. Now, the girl that was sitting next to me, I could have wrote you out a pretty good list about why, why I loved her. But at the time, I was still figuring out my love for God. Maybe this morning for you, taking time to do a little love evaluation. Do you love God? How? How does your gratitude for his love to you show out in how you care for other people? We're motivated by what God has done for us, and then we go and do for others. Number three, motivated by gladness. By gladness, joy, happiness. How many of you would raise your hand right now and you'd say, I am a complainer? You don't have to raise your hand right now. If you're really a complainer, you'd go, I don't know why he's asking me to do that. Uh, yeah. I'm amazed that when the weather turns, in any culture, it seems like, um, or maybe in our American culture, in any place in the nation, we should say, um, we get immediate Facebook uh, reaction to the weather changing, and it's awfully not good. It's awfully, ah, oh, so cold today. When is it going to get warm? Or raining yesterday. You know, is it ever going to stop raining? Or when it's hot? You know, it's brutally hot. This is just miserable. Can't wait till I'm, I'm, I'm in a big parka in the wintertime. And then in the wintertime, you know, oh, can't wait till it warms up. This is just ridiculous. It's amazing in that we always complain about the weather. It's, it's, it's baffling uh, in itself. But it probably speaks to our nature sometimes. That we don't do a whole lot out of gladness sometimes. You know, if you're com a weather complainer, like maybe I just was joking about, maybe for you it's like a real serious, um, I mean, think about it. It's not a hurricane. Um, I guess we have those every once in a while here. Um, you know, hopefully it's not a tornado that they were in. We weren't in it yesterday, and, you know, maybe it's not a, a big monsoon, um, earthquake. Um, there's all kinds of worse stuff that could come into the equation. But we find ourselves usually looking for how terrible it might be. If you're one that lives in that camp, though, in your life, if immediately in your head you could get off the weather and you could translate it, that and how it works in other areas of your life, even to detrimental ways, it's very hard to serve out of gladness. It's very hard. Because when you look at something and you have the opportunity to be glad for it, something the Lord has provided for you, something somebody else has done for you, it's just so easy to swing it to how it's just not enough. It just wasn't done the right way. Or I liked it, but it would have been nice if, and we go this direction of leaving gladness at the curb to the side. The Bible tells us in Psalm, serve the Lord with gladness pretty straightforward. 
Love what you're doing for the Lord. When you're serving someone else for the Lord, when you're serving, do it with gladness and joy and contentment. You know, sometimes, um, I'm going to be honest with you, when I have to go to a meeting um, or, you know, I have to do something ministry, every once in a while I'm going and I'm thinking, man, I wish I didn't have to do this today. <laughs> I just, I would rather, you know, not be having this meeting or doing this task or, or, or whatnot. Yeah, I think it hit about our fourth trip of carrying stuff out of the old church up to storage in, in the trailer. And it's about a, you know, it's about a 35-minute journey up to our, our free storage, which we're, we're very grateful and thankful for up there. But I was like, gosh, I wish I was not carrying chairs up there today. You know, is there anyone with a truck that I might be able to push this task off to? But, you know, Shree and I talked once, and we had said, you know, we, we really need to commit to a different mentality, a different perspective that we can have things in our life that we'd rather not do. But once we get into doing it, why not just choose to do it and find the joy in what we're doing? We're already there doing it. We don't really have a choice in the matter. Why not find the joy in what we're doing? Do you know that fourth time that I did it? Uh, Dave and Burnett and I did it together. And uh, we, we, you know, we drug the, the final chairs and stuff. And I look back, and I can almost remember, almost verbatim, some of the conversation that we had that day, talking about a few things. Um, that it, was, it turned out to be a pretty joyful time when we choose a different perspective, and we find ourselves serving with gladness. And then here's the thing that happens. Our witness is totally, totally different. Somebody looks and goes, wow, that person is serving, and yet they have such a joyful heart and we influence them, or they say, you know, boy, I would really like whatever it is they have, and the door opens up to share about Jesus Christ. For the Christian, serving God is not a burden. It's a privilege. It really is. And the perspective change has to be that God has chosen you to be of his, in his service. I had a girl uh, at a, our youth group back in, in Deer Valley when I was in Phoenix, and I want to say, this girl, this girl was a pill. You know what I'm talking about? She was tough. Tough to deal with. I never quite did anything right in youth ministry from her perspective. Um, her parents, who liked me and supported me, still were the ones who called ever so often, sharing a story about uh, what this girl had told them had occurred at youth group, and on and on, these instances that would go on. When I left, left the church, and she actually about the same time went out of high school and into uh, a few, bounced around for a few different time, uh, things and had a, kind of a rough three or four years after that. And I had kind of just lost track of my thinking of her whatsoever. Just recently here, I was looking at some pictures from those youth group days. And so I sent a little message on Facebook to the ones that I knew on Facebook and said, look, I was looking at a few pictures, thinking about you guys. Thanks so much for the times. And I got this note back from her as I woke up yesterday. She says this. This is from her. Just saw your post about the pictures. I've been off Facebook a while, but I was thinking a few weeks ago I really needed to thank you. The youth group at Deer Valley was awesome. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> I really think it helped me grasp onto my faith and was really the first time I had ever felt God's presence in my life. And your family, after your family left the church, I really didn't feel like you guys got the appreciation you deserved, but I wanted you to know you helped encourage me in my faith and played a huge role in bringing me to Christ, and I wanted to thank you for that. And I looked at that, and I thought, you never know. You never know, right? 
when God has called you to serve somebody, you never know how it's going to turn out. We just know he's called us to serve. Why not go into it with this joyful, thankful, and, and exciting? Now, I can't ever remember a time where this girl that I just turned and really just called her on anything she was making me feel. I think I carried through with gladness on it. I'm sure there was times of struggle on that. But this was her response yesterday morning. And I thought, how perfect. If we would go and serve with gladness, who knows? Who knows what will happen in somebody's life and their commitment to Jesus, to Jesus Christ. Uh, number four, motivated by forgiveness. Anybody ever been forgiven out there for anything? <laughs> feels pretty good to be forgiven. It really does. It's bitter to have to forgive somebody up to the point where you actually say it, and then it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Forgiveness is an amazing thing. Um, you remember the Star Wars, uh, the first movie, the Jar Jar Binks character? You remember that guy? Yeah? Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what you think about the story there on that character. I could have done with maybe a laser blaster to the head on him early on in, in the movie. I found him a little annoying. But he's a pretty good example about being motivated by forgiveness. You see, in the story, if you remember, he's running for his life and he is saved by, you know, the two Jedis there. And then he's kind of embedded into serving them because of what they've done for him, right? It's a familiar story of being indebted to somebody when they save your life. You see, when we look at that, that is really what God has done for us. That the Bible tells us, look, the wages of sin is death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. It's, it's on for forever, but it begins even now in this life. And yet, God has sent his son to forgive us of all those sins, that we could have right relationship with him, that we could follow him, and we could interact very closely with him because he's forgiven us. And I don't know about you, but like this, this annoying character in Star Wars, I think my motivation should be when I'm forgiven, like Christ, or God has forgiven me, my motivation should be to turn around and say, I will serve you whatever you want me to do. I am now indebted, embedded in your cause, and I will follow you and serve you. Here's a story of Isaiah in Isaiah 6, one of these great passages. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his tongue, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it he touched my mouth and, and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? And I said, Here am I. Send me. You see, right before that, Isaiah is complaining about what a wretched man he is and how deep and burdensome his sin is. And then this amazing illustration here of his sin being forgiven and wiped away. And what is his first response? I'll go now, Lord. Send me. I will serve you. Whatever you want me to do, I'm the one to do it because he's motivated by his forgiveness. If you this morning would look back in your life and you would remember how the Lord has forgiven you and wiped away your sin... Let that be a motivation that pushes you right into serving. We don't serve in order to be forgiven in the Christian faith. We serve because we are forgiven. That's how it works for us. Let me ask you a question before we move on to the next one. Are you still glad you're forgiven? Do you still find incredible joy that the Lord has forgiven you? 
Maybe it happened 20 years ago. Maybe you look back and compared to somebody else, you just thought it was a small thing. Do you still find joy? Are you still glad that you are forgiven? Number five, motivated by humility. By humility. This is Jesus speaking right here. It says uh, in the Gospels of John, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on the clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, when Jesus washed the feet, we often look at that. That was a servant type of thing. But you need to understand culturally how low the foot washer really was. The foot washer was often some type of indentured slave, some type of indentured servant, working off some type of debt that they had with the homeowner. And so they would stand there, and when people came in, they would do just what the Bible says. They would wash their feet. Now, I've been a part of a few foot washing ceremonies where you take off your shoe and somebody washes your feet for you. I'm not sure that quite grasp what it was to really wash somebody's feet. Yesterday, my wife and I went out to the Wyndham Golf Tournament Championship yesterday, and it had poured and poured, you know, a rain. And so basically, we were walking in mud all day long, and you know, I wore my old shoes just because of it, because they got all muddy. Could you picture just day in and day out, walking through that type of, of, of slop, mud? Except for it wouldn't have just been dirt that they would have walked through. It would have also been, you know, animal poo-poo, okay? It would have been junk all over the road as well. And they would have just kind of walked in and through this. Not quite the same sanitation systems that, that we work today. And when people went out to walk their cow, they probably didn't carry little baggies like we do when we walk our dogs, or big baggies, for that matter. And so this is the filth and, and grossness that a foot washer would go through to wash these feet. They were low, low. And so when Jesus took that, he wasn't just saying, look, I will serve you because I have come to serve you. He will say, look, I am willing to be the filth, the lowest of lows. I'm willing to, to surrender even to that level if that's what it takes to advance the kingdom of God. That is what I will do. And Jesus did this. And he turned and he said to them, look, you're going to have to go do the same thing. You see, you might put together an event where you serve other people and you might kind of be, the, you know, the head honcho, the CEO of serving that event. But then there's these times where God says, look, I want you to be motivated by humility. I want you to get down to the low of lows and serve somebody where it's dirty and gross and it's a mess. And I want you to serve them on that level. That's what Jesus is teaching here, to be motivated by this. In fact, the word humility, do you know what it is? The actual word means grounded. Grounded. That we get low and we serve people this way. Finally, that we're motivated by love. The Bible says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
You know, there was a, a while in youth ministry where I got a little frustrated. I, I got a little confused, I guess you would say. And I would ask myself the question constantly, how do I make somebody love somebody else? How do I make these youth love God, is what I was really saying. You see, I would go week in and week out sharing messages, spending time with them, putting together corny games and things like that. And there were so many, like, I would see no fruit that would come from it. And I thought, how do you make somebody love somebody else? How do you make someone love God? And you know what? Finally, God said, you can't. You'll never do that, Tom. What you can do is you can let myself lead your life to the utmost, and you can hope that they will receive it and run with it. But you can do things out of your love for me. And so I found that the better way than trying to get them to love God was to let God's love he had for me and my love that I had for him show up in what I did and how I served and in what ways I was willing to serve. And in that, the love shows up. The care shows up. And I even found that there's a few youth over that same time period who I wouldn't exactly describe love as my uh, characteristic I was putting out towards them. Some of that starts to change when I'm really motivated by God's love and what he's done for me as well. And so then in return, I try to show that love. The Bible actually tells us, it has this line that says, um, we all could serve somebody we really love, right? But how about somebody we, we don't love? That's much harder to do. And what I think the, the passage is motivating us is to say, look, how do we start to love somebody we don't even love? We do it by starting to serve them. And when we serve them and care for them, then it's amazing how God's love, he just gives us this extra portion that we love him. Ta- let's, let's look at the takeaway. I, I believe biblically you're expected to serve. And the Bible says, as we read this morning, that you're gifted to serve. So here's the question for each of us this morning is, are you willing to serve? Because in the end, it it rests on us. God has called us to do it. He's gifted us to do it. And then he asks, will you do it? I think that Dave Burnett took a lot of risk to launch Lot 2540 up in Madison. Took a lot of risk. Probably probably takes a lot of risk every week uh, in what they do. Um, they don't really take salaries. I mean, they, they, they get a little bit of, uh, of help from, from maybe in a good week. Um, but it's not like they're on full-time staff up there. Um, they open their doors every Saturday morning to hand out food and clothes, yet they really, from week to week, have no idea how that food and clothes is going to get to them so that they can hand it out to others. It's a pretty big risk. I believe Alice took a really big risk to start Pierce Ministries and start to that home. And they're in the midst of a big risk right now, expanding into two additional homes as well. That's a huge risk. Working in recovery ministry, period, is a huge risk. We take a big risk, I believe, every Monday night having a Celebrate Recovery program that Dave and Tina serve and lead in that program. Because every Monday night, they put their best out there. And you know what? There's, there's, there's really no requirement of commitment back. They just put it out there every week, hoping that just the Lord's love will resonate and connect with people. If you walk next door this week to do something for your neighbor, guess what? You're taking a huge risk. A huge risk. What if they interpret it wrong? 
What if they interpret it that you're not capable, or you're not keeping your yard up well enough if you, if you uh, say you'll, you'll do something for them in their yard? It's always a risk to serve somebody else. But we're expected to do it. We're gifted to do it. Are you willing to get out there and to do it? I want to share with you a couple ways here at the church that you could plug in and serve here. Though I also want to tell you that we never feel like it's a requirement that you have to serve right here in the church. In fact, when I look at and I talk to somebody like Dave, uh, he serves here at the church, but my expectation is just to share with him what the Bible says, get out and serve, and he's doing it in Madison. Maybe the Lord has put something on your heart outside the church, go do it. Make it happen, but serve. Here's three ways in the church you could serve as well. You saw our kids in here. Every week we're in need of additional kids workers, people that would go down and spend time loving on our kids. Now we'll train and we'll show you how to do it, but people that would be willing to just love the kids and build into the kids, and then maybe one day you get a little Facebook like this girl that sent it to me, even if you look across the table from a kid that you're like, is anything going on here? The Lord is at work when we're willing to serve. A second area is in the area of setup and teardown that we've talked about. It's just a huge thing every week that we're going to do. And I would expect that if it was the same small group that came each week, as grateful as we are to them, um, eventually that's going to wear a little bit. And so we would ask for you to serve as well. We're really looking for everyone to serve in that role at some point uh, during, uh, during this semester would be a, a great opportunity to serve. Um, thirdly, uh, in an area to serve is we talked about this Lot 2540 and this opportunity to bring food. But there's an additional opportunity there. On August 31st, there's the opportunity to actually go up to Lot and to spend a couple hours there actually handing out the food and handing out the clothes and, and actually being the, the hands and feet up there instead of just, you know, giving and then uh, wondering how it went. We can actually go up there and do it. And so on the back of your card, you could let us know today if you're interested and willing to go up and serve on the August 31st at Lot as well. Those are three great opportunities. Maybe the Lord's already hit you with another way to serve somebody in your neighborhood or work or a family or whatever, but follow it if the Lord's put it on your heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for those that have come. And Lord, can I especially pray for the one that, Lord, they didn't even want to come this morning, and for some reason you pushed and prodded them and they came. I pray this morning, Lord, that you were able to speak to them and meet them in a way that was, they'll walk away saying, I'm glad. I'm glad I was here. Lord, the, all these ways that we can be motivated to serve, I pray this morning that if there be anyone in here, that as they look over the course of their life, they would say, you know, I'm really not involved in serving in any way. Or, Lord, at very best, they're, they're really trying to stretch something they're doing to sound like serving. Lord, this morning I pray that you would challenge us each to walk out of here and say, there is an area I can serve. And if there's not an area in the church, there's an area that's on your heart that you can go out and you can make it happen this week in your neighborhood or family or wherever else. Lord, would you impress that on us? Would you help us to remember that the Holy Spirit goes before us, paving the way for these things and giving us strength to do it? And Lord, I recognize that serving sometimes, is, sometimes it's, it's hard to serve. Sometimes it costs us dearly to serve. Sometimes we don't even see any results. But Father, will we just step out in obedience today? Will we step out with a, 
a grateful heart today as well. Lord, would we be joyful and glad when we are serving and offering to other people? Lord, would we be motivated by what you have done in our life and how you have forgiven us of our sins? Lord, would you help us to serve in humility? Would you lower us to know that we're no greater a person because we step out and serve? We're just simply a follower of you, and may we get low. And then, Lord, would you well up within us a love for other people? that we would constantly be motivated when we turn in, we see somebody in need, just we'd be motivated by love to serve them. Lord, I believe this morning there's many, many of us who have recognized that they may have not had the willingness to serve. But Lord, you will bless in incredible ways if we would step out and do it. So Lord, this morning, help us to take a stand in that area. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to receive our, our time.